Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. The reason that we are here is to learn more about the Word of God. And this morning's message is about Babylon. And I've entitled the message, The Demise of Babylon. But I want to remind you that Babylon is in the Bible, and that Babylon of the Bible is back in the news. It's speaking of modern-day Iraq, that area along the Euphrates River. And the Bible has a lot to say about this region, this area called Babylon. As a matter of fact, uh, Babylon, and you may not even have realized this, is mentioned more than any other city in the Bible except for Jerusalem. And so the Bible has written a lot for our instruction about this area called Babylon. So today we're going to study about Babylon and uh, because we're going to find out that Babylon, that ancient Babylon, the Bible says is going to rise again from the dust and, and to meet the doom at the hand of Almighty God. Uh, do you know when you read the news on your favorite internet website, sometimes it's hard to tell whether the news is good or bad news? Do you ever get that way? I, I listen to, I, is this good news for me or is this bad news? Reminds me of a story I read. I heard a woman who said to her friend, I got married. And the friend said, oh, that's good. And she said, but he's very mean to me. Oh, that's bad, the friend said. Um, but he's very rich. Oh, that's good, the friend said. Um, but he's very stingy. Oh, that's bad, the friend said. The lady said, but he did buy me a new house. And her friend said, oh, that's so good. But it burned down. Oh, that's so bad. But he was in it. Oh, that's... You don't know sometimes when you read the news, watch the news, if it's good news or bad news. And sometimes when we look at something called a newspaper or we watch the local news or we read a, web, a website about the news uh, and we say, oh, what terrible news. But friend, may I say this morning, when you put the newspaper in one hand and you put the Word of God in the other hand, you see that everything is actually fitting together in what I call the sockets of prophecy. And what seems to be bad news today is ultimately going to be good news. What do I mean by that? Jesus is going to win the ultimate battle. Revelation chapter 18. Now, here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to actually go through this whole chapter. I'm going to read the first five verses, and a little bit later in the message, we're going to do a responsive reading, and you're going to join me, and we're going to read the latter part of Revelation 18 together. But for right now, Revelation 18, verse 1 through 5. And after these things, I saw another angel. How many times have we seen that phrase, another angel, in this book? It's like, it's like every chapter, there's a new angel. Come down from heaven, having grace. Great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, 
The great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of what? Devils. Hmm, interesting. And the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Father, I know that we trifle oftentimes with that which you call evil and wicked. Your word says that you remember our iniquities. Father, there's many of us that may have unconfessed sin that we have failed to confess. I'm so thankful that you say when we confess our sins, you remember it no more as far as the east is from the west or to the depths of the ocean. So, Father, may we today personally examine to see if there be anything in us that would break fellowship, that you would have to remember our own iniquities. Bless this time together, Heavenly Father. Help only words that you approve of to be spoken in Jesus' name. Amen. As a reminder, it's been three weeks since we learned in chapter 17 that Babylon was built by a man by the name of Nimrod. The Tower of Babel. How many of you remember the Tower of Babel? It's a, it's, a, it's a VBS story or a children's church story. We talk about the Tower of Babel. Uh, well, Nimrod was the contractor. Uh, Nimrod, in Genesis chapter 10 and 11, he's a type. He's a, a prophecy. He is an Old Testament picture of the Antichrist, which was to come. His very name means this, rebel. And he built a city-state that was the capital of the world, and out of Babylon, or the Tower of Babel, came the origins of every false religion that we have before us today. And this morning, we're going to see what is going to happen to Babylon that will be revealed during the tribulation period. We've already learned this, Jack, in chapter 17, that Babylon is going to rise from the dust. I would think we'd all agree that right now, today, in Iraq, the country's pretty beat down. Well, something's going to happen uh, and there's going to be a great change in the future in the country of Iraq. Let me give you a, a, a quick history lesson. Ancient Babylon was under the rule and reign of a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, and he was a foe or an enemy against Israel. Babylon, you see, has been around for a long time. It is great in antiquity, but Babylon is also great in iniquity. Um, uh, it's great in prophecy. And this Babylon, it'll be the cradle and it's going to be the grave of all false religion. Ancient Babylon, the Bible tells us with her hanging gardens, uh, was, one, was once one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And there's coming a time in the future when the entire world will wonder again at this area called Babylon. Let's look from our text. Let me ask you what I think would be a legitimate question this morning. Is this Babylon in chapter 18 literal or is it symbolic? Now we did show you three weeks ago from uh, chapter 17 that we were talking about religious or ecclesiastical Babylon. And it was pointing us towards some symbolic 
uh, code words, if you will. What did I mean by that? Uh, uh, the, like a double speak. I'll give you an example. When I use the word Wall Street, it is a code word in our own country. What does that mean? It is a literal street, yes, but Wall Street is code word for economy or the America's economy. What happened on Wall Street today? It, it's like a code word. Or if I said Madison Avenue, that may be a literal street, but when I refer to it, it's also code for code word for merchandising and, and marketing. So the Bible uses the world, Babylon here, uh, is, the, is the Bible speaking symbolically or is the Bible speaking literally? Um, there's enough evidence in chapter 18 that differentiates from chapter 17. Chapter 17, much of it was symbolic about that the false religions, about the religions of the world. We now go to chapter 18. What did verse 1 say? And another angel came down to speak uh, on the heels of chapter 17 to speak about chapter 18. I believe this is literal Babylon. And, and I believe... Uh, while chapter 17 may have a symbolic sense, I believe in chapter 18 it is speaking very literally. It's talking about the mystery Babylon. Revelation 18, we find something uh, in Babylon that is great. And there's a contrast, if you will, between the two Babylons. In chapter 17, we see what we'll call the ecclesiastical Babylon. In chapter 18, we have what we call the commercial Babylon. What is going to happen during that three and a half year, second half of the Great Tribulation. I don't want to confuse us too much uh, with all of this. Uh, I, I remember what happened when I preached a, a couple weeks ago and, uh, and the glazed look in your eyes and you couldn't wait till I got through with that message in chapter 17. I actually had two people said they enjoyed it. They're weird, okay? So, um, uh, but we had to go through it. By the way, when you preach through all the Bible, you're going to have some, there's going to be some times when perhaps uh, we yawn and we don't understand because uh, it's not exciting to us. May I just tell you that when we take all of the Word of God, it should be exciting to us. It should be relevant to us. So you're going to find that chapter 17, you remember how the kings of the earth, they turned to that, what they called the whore, ecclesiastical Babylon. Uh, they destroyed her. They burned her. They devoured her. The kings did that. Uh, they judged her. Now we come to chapter 18, and that is there's a change. God is now going to judge these kings. Remember 17, the kings were judging the false religions, the whore, ecclesiastical Babylon. Now in chapter 18, God comes into the picture. He's going to be the one who judges this area. And we're going to discover that when these kings uh, judged ecclesiastical Babylon, they rejoiced over her. But now we're going to find out in chapter number 18, when Babylon is judged, these same kings, they weep and they lament what is about to happen. And I don't want to get too deep in that um, because uh, uh, I, I, I don't want to bog down. I don't want you to check out on me. Uh, so let's jump right into our message today. And we're going to discover at least four facts about Babylon that is yet to come that's going to happen. Here's discovery fact number one. The Bible says that Babylon, this area, during that second three and a half year period of time, is controlled by demons, is controlled by demons. Now, we have conditioned you. Everyone looked to the screen to see what was going to be on the screen. 
We just learned the value of Pastor David. Where is Pastor David? He's in Florida. And he's the one who takes care of all of our uh, screens on Sunday. He gets my message ahead of time. So I just don't understand why he didn't have time to do my slides today. So that means you got to listen carefully to those. Uh, that's why we have minimal fill-in-the-blanks today, okay? Demons. Babylon is controlled by demons. We actually read about this in our text in the first five verses. And every time when you read the word devils in the plural sense, it means demons. There's one devil, his name is Satan, but there's many demons. Where do those demons come from? The Bible tells us that one-third of the angels were cast out with uh, the devil at the, at the beginning of time when this world was created. And so those are the demons that roam this earth. The Bible says that Babylon's going to become a habitation of demons. You may correctly read that. Your translation may be something like this, a habitation of demons or devils and, and the hold of every foul spirit and, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. The writer John, he calls these demons birds, the devil's dirty birds, if you will. Uh, you say Babylon is for the birds. It seems that Babylon, as I have said, ancient Babylon is going to rise from the dust. Why would the Antichrist, and by the way, it will be the seat, it's going to be the throne of Antichrist during the tribulation. Why would he go back to ancient Babylon? Well, as we saw in the message a while back, there's going to be a war between the east and there's going to be a war between the west, and the west is going to win. And this will make the Antichrist virtually the world power and the world ruler. Everyone's going to look to him for the answers to all of their problems. There's going to be a vacuum of leadership in the Middle East, and he's going to move in to fill this void. But I believe also there's a principle that the criminal returns to the scene of the crime. From time to time, immoral Babylon has been the, the scene and the center of demonism and demonic activity. Do you remember... Back in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 2, when Daniel was where? He was in Babylon. He had been taken captive. The young, handsome Daniel, he had been put in prison. And there was a dream that needed to be interpreted. They were having a struggle interpreting that dream. They pulled Daniel out of prison and asked him to give the interpretation of that dream. Now, you may not may or may not remember that the story that the Bible says that this, that the king had already called in the magicians and the soothsayers and the astrologers, and none of them were able to interpret the dream. The magicians and the soothsayers and, and, uh, and the astrologers, you know what? That was part of the demonic Babylon. I'm so thankful that I can stand before you and say, if you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you've trusted him, that there's something that lives within you called the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful that you cannot be inhabited by a demon if you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And so, folks, that's why it's a great, great decision to make in your life to follow Jesus Christ. Well, here we see Babylon was the, the center, if you will, of demonic activity. And so the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to return to the scene of the crime. Why is that? Because the devil has great influence. 
And there's going to be a vacuum in these days, and he's going to come back to this mighty city during the Great Tribulation. Revelation 18 and verse number 2 tells us that this city will be fully given over to demonism. And you're, let me just say this, and you're not going to understand the Great Tribulation unless you understand that during the Great Tribulation, the world will be infested by and led by demonic spirits. I believe our world is still haunted by the ghost of Babylon. Revelation 18 and verse number 3 speaks of the wine of her fornication. And it says there in verse number 3, if you look at it with me, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. May I just say this was bottled centuries and uh, millenniums ago. The nations are still getting drunk on the wine of her fornication. I did a little study. By conservative estimates, there are over, just slightly over one billion people in the world today that practice astrology. Let that number sink in. One billion people. Forty million Americans are drinking from that intoxicating cup. And I pleaded with you three weeks ago, if you're one of those that read your horoscope, that dabble in this at all, I plead with you to get out of it. And if you're still in it, I just say, may God have mercy on you. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Don't trifle with it. Don't touch it. Stay away from it. The Bible says you don't do it. In Revelation 18, verse 4, it says this. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins. It's wicked. It'll lead you down a wrong pathway. It will lead you to a place you do not want to go. Babylon, as I said, is great in antiquity. But it's also great in iniquity. And stone by stone and brick by brick, century after century, millennium after millennium, Babylon has been building a system of iniquity in this world. Folks, if you're older than 50, there is no way you could have even had the thought 25 years ago that our system would come in the United States of America where we would be actually grooming our children, that if you are a boy and you want to be a girl, then you can be a girl, and, we'll, and moms and dads will provide the surgery so that you can change your sex. That was unthinkable. And if you're older than 50 and 20, you go back 25 years ago, that thought would not even have entered into our mind that our government would sponsor and be willing to pay for gender changes, and that our public schools would groom our children and persuade our children to identify with now one of the many dozens of identities uh, that are being put out there. Folks, moms and dads, listen to me. You birthed a boy and you birthed a girl, period. You trained them to be boys and you trained them to be girls, period. And do not allow the sickness of this world that comes out of this hellhole called Babylon to influence your children in any other way. I say to you, come out of her, that ye be not partakers of her sins. Babylon, as I said, is the, it has created a system of iniquity, sin, in this world. And here's what's interesting. Verse number 6, it says it's going to be double trouble for those who participate in it. Run from it. Don't walk away from it. Run away from it. So what does this mean to us? Well, as we get closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ called the rapture of the church and the rule of the beast, we can expect to see this. And we're seeing it. We can expect to see a tidal wave of sin and debauchery 
and demonic activity. Let's not sugarcoat it, my friends, right now, today, in Tucson, in Arizona, in the United States of America, there's a wave of debauchery. And I want to tell you beyond a shadow of any doubt, it's in the world today. And so the very first thing I want you to see is that Babylon is controlled by demons and Babylon is dominated by demons. And you say, well, how can that be? I ask you, can our church be dominated by demons today? The answer is very clear, definitive. Can our church be dominated by demons today? Wow. I said the answer is very clear. The answer is no! And there's one reason why our church cannot be dominated by demons. Why is that? Because we all have the Holy Spirit live within us. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when the rapture takes place, what is removed from planet earth? The Holy Spirit. Do you see how demons will be allowed to roam and abound and control everything? My friend... I plead with you, if you know not Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, make that decision today. Discovery fact number two, let's move quickly here. Babylon is brazen in its depravity. Babylon is brazen in depravity. Babylon stretched through the earth. And we're talking now about Babylon to come the, or rise from the dust. And if you have your Bibles there, please follow me as I read uh, chapter 18, verse 7 and 8. How much she hath glorified herself. Of course, that is the devil's great desire. It always been to exalt his throne above the stars of God. We know that. Go back there and live deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Now the devil will stick out his big chest and strut through the earth, uh, through his servant, the Antichrist, and he'll look over the beautiful kingdom there in Babylon. Please notice verse number 8, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning, and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Why will she be so defiant in this day? Why will he have such arrogance in this day? I believe I can point to you several answers to this questions. Ecclesiastical Babylon has been destroyed. We learned that back in 17. Now, Ecclesiastical Babylon has its own system, and the beast says this, so... I don't like having to work with and kowtow to all these religious people and look at their wealth. Let's get rid of them and let's confiscate that wealth. And so that's exactly what's going to happen during the Great Tribulation period. He now becomes immensely wealthy. He now has a law unto himself. The eastern powers have been subjugated to him, and he has enormous wealth, and the acquisition of his wealth is unbelievable. And every luxury known to mankind will pour into Babylon, and global corporations will make their headquarters there, and it will be a boom time in Babylon. And we will sit as, and, and this person will sit as a queen in the city, and he will be absolutely absolutely invincible and again he will be brazen in his depravity future events often cast their shadows ahead of time have you ever noticed how blatantly arrogant satan is becoming these days have you noticed if you haven't you've been asleep Sin that used to slink down the back alleyways now struts in the main streets it is repulsive. 
that your tax dollars, our government, is sponsoring drag queen shows in countries like Ecuador. That used to be reserved for the back rooms of the bar. And now it's public for all to see. Satan is getting bolder and bolder and bolder because he actually thinks that he's going to win this battle. Verse number 8 of Revelation chapter 18, however, reminds us that in spite of the depravity of the beast, he cannot hold back the judgment of Almighty God. Mark it down, big, plain, and straight. Make no mistake about it. Satan sails a sinking ship. Satan sails a sinking ship. His doom is announced and will be carried out. Sin cannot win and faith cannot fail. And if you're following Satan, if you're a lover of Babylon, you are following a lost cause. Here's discovery fact number three. The Bible says that Babylon is predestined for destruction. Babylon is predestined for destruction. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 18. Look down there, verse number 8. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day. If you mark in your Bibles, um, and maybe you don't want to mark in your Bible, that's fine, or you're taking notes, there's that little phrase that's really significant that we could just read, read over without seeing its significance. Therefore shall her plagues come. When were they going to come? In one day. And here's what's going to happen in one day. Death, mourning, famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when, shall, when, when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city for... Now here's another phrase. There's three words. For what? In one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. These are four spectacular verses that we can understand in light of what we know is happening in our society today. Unlike John, who could not ever have imagined what he was writing about because he had never seen anything like this. Babylon is going to be destroyed, devastatingly destroyed, and it's going to come cataclysmically fast, and it's going to be complete in its destruction. What is this destruction that's going to come to Babylon? Verse 8 says this, it's going to come in one day. Verse 10 says it's going to happen in one hour, and it's not going to be gradual. And the destruction that we're going to see in verses 9 and 10 is a fiery destruction. Do you know what? I believe that every one of us can see there's going to be a nuclear explosion that takes place in Babylon. And I believe that these people who stand afar off, that are watching from afar off, they can see that mushroom cloud that rises over Babylon. And because of the radiation, they're afraid to get too close to it. An angel illustrates this, this, this um Destruction again in the same chapter. Fast forward down to verse number 21. This is amazing. If this doesn't excite you, I'm sorry. But the Bible is amazing. It comes alive. And a mighty angel took a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. 
you say, you're excited about that? Go with me. Think with me for just a second. Who wrote the book of John? Oh, he wrote the book of Revelation. <laughs> I'm so excited. I just can't, I can't, hardly, I can't hardly stand. Okay, who wrote Revelation? How, how many years ago did he write it? 2,000 years ago, right? The language was so small. John is looking into the future and he has to write about something and describe something that he's never seen. There aren't words, there aren't words to explain it. And so here's John. He's saying, how can I describe this nuclear explosion? Well, I guess it's like taking a big rock, dropping it in the ocean, and that's what I see is all those concentric circles coming out from that, what, that stone that's been dropped in the water and Babylon is destroyed. It is no more. Wow, can you not see that? Uh, you can't? Okay. It's coming. The Bible explains what's happening. If you'll study it just a little bit, it's amazing to see what is going to happen. Very quickly, discovery fact number four is this, is Babylon is bound for depression. Babylon, that whole area is bound for depression. Babylon's going to be depressed in her desolation. Everyone that would, anyone who might possibly survive this is going to be depressed. The people of the world are going to be depressed. People who don't know the Lord are going to be depressed. And so with that, I want us to do this um, as we read through this here. And Pastor Jonathan, if you'll help me here, we're going to read through a, a portion of Scripture in Revelation chapter 18. And uh, if you'll follow Pastor Jonathan, I just want us to get a sense. I'm not going to break all of this down. I think it'll make sense to us. We're going to read down verses 12 through 23. You'll read the even verses, and I'll read the odd verses, but let's all participate. Let's see what John is writing about that's going to happen after this tremendous explosion that levels the city. The city is absolutely destroyed. What takes place? All right, follow Pastor Jonathan, please. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marbles. And cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and, and souls of men. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Did you catch that verse 14? That you can't find them. Why can you not find them? They've been destroyed. John's trying to, John's, the writer of Revelation, John's trying to help us understand that with this one act, one incident that took place in one hour all of this is gone. Verse 15, the merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. And saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. 
and cried when they saw the smoke of a burning city, saying, What a city is like unto this great city. And they cast dust on their heads, and they cried, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of our costliness, for in one hour is made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took a stone. Here's John describing. I don't know. All of this is gone. I don't know how to tell you folks how to describe this. What took place in Babylon is like someone took a stone, like a great millstone, cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Again, I remind you that Babylon is to, it, it, Babylon is, uh, that, what, I remind you that the Babylon to come will be the wealthiest beyond words. It'll be incredibly wealthy. Why is that? Because of the global economy. Because nobody can buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And of course, in every transaction, the beast gets his cut. And there's uh, no way to tell you the wealth that will flow into the hands of the Antichrist. No wonder he says smugly, I sit as a queen. Every luxury known to man has been described here in the verses that you just read. The wealth of former ecclesiastical Babylon is all his. He's grabbed hold of it. The wealth of the world is his. Global corporations have made their headquarters here. He will control the world economy. And money and wealth will be like that which goes over Niagara Falls. It's going to flow with forcefulness into the city. I want you to note that Elon Musk... The world's wealthiest man today will seem like a pauper compared to the Antichrist. Literally, the Antichrist will have it all. But notice that there's a part of the merchandise that I emphasize in my verse, and that is, is that he owns the souls of men. The entire world will sell their souls for a morsel of bread. And whatever the Antichrist wants, People will bow down to the Antichrist. Allow me to share with you an article from U.S. News and World Report. Talking to those of you who are a little bit worried about your investments and your mutual funds and your 401k and your stocks and your bonds and your bank account. Please listen to what this article said. It's staggering. The title of the article is this, Stock Up on Sin. From U.S. News and World Report. Here's the quote. A portfolio that panders to humankind's moral weaknesses might redeem investors' fortunes. Unseemly, perhaps, but the fact is that in a year of exploding corporate scandal and retribution, it has been good to be bad. 
not legally bad, just a little sinful. Profit, so feeding on much of Wall Street has come easily to firms catering to humanity's weakness for fatty food, strong drinks, wasterways, carnal passions like pornography. What's this article saying? Hey, you want to get rich? Invest in sin. What a terrible world we live in. Jesus, come quickly. How the rulers of this world are going to weep. Revelation 18, verses 9 and 10. And all their resources and all their wealth that they had accumulated is going to be taken away. It's gone. You think the panic of 1929 was bad. Let me just tell you that after this event takes place, the Bible literally says that those merchant ships, those tankers that are entering the Persian Gulf, they will have to anchor because they'll have to watch in horror what's happening to Babylon. Um, Let me just give you three applications of the message. You say, I'm not going to be here, Pastor. I'm not worried about this at all. I hope that would be 100% of us that would be able to say that. So let me give you three very quick applications I'll just make mention of. Here's application number one. The Bible says this, come out of Babylon. Come out of Babylon. We hear so much about the separation of church and state. May I just tell you, that's a wrong terminology. We need to preach more about the separation of church and the world. Come out of her, my people, because if you don't, even though you belong to God, if you flirt with Babylon, if you dance with the devil, you're headed for some serious problems, and there's too many of us. We've put our marriages at risk. We're dancing with the devil. We've put our livelihoods at risk because of our sins and our addictions, and we're putting... Uh, welcoming serious problems into our life. I'm telling you, friend, if you get get in with Babylon, you're going to get burned by Babylon. And when the judgment falls, the judgment is going to fall fast on you. It's going to fall quickly. And even if you're a, a child of God, if you don't want the judgments of Babylon, don't keep company with Babylon. Stay out of the world. Application number two, do not envy Babylon. Do not envy Babylon. Only a fool envies fools. Don't envy Babylon. You see these people wheeling and dealing. It seems like they have so much, and you want some of it. Friend, I want to tell you, you and I need to say to that dirty old devil something like this. Look what I've got. Look what I've got. Come out of her. Don't envy her. Don't envy her. Here's what I would say to the devil and to the world. I have Jesus. I have Jesus, and I don't need what you offer. Verse 20 says, application number three is to rejoice over Babylon. Here's the last thing. Rejoice over Babylon. The Bible teaches that one day it's all coming to a climax. And the Bible says that one day that we're going to rejoice over what happens. Sin, the Antichrist, is destroyed. Don't you ever let the devil get you to thinking negatively about God? Friend, you're on the winning side, and I just want to remind you that if you love Jesus and you stay in his word and you're in prayer, you will ultimately win. Now, don't pack up just yet. I see some of you putting your your, your notes up. Please bear with me. I'm almost done. Would you take your notes and look at that box? When's the last time you ever had an honest talk with God? You're here and you say, I don't like that stuff you said today. I'm sorry. We've just spoken what the Bible says. 
Would you look at, I always try to put a prayer in, the, in my notes to something I started this year. Because I don't believe people know how to pray or what to pray. Our prayers are so shallow, so meek. Our prayers are so empty and vain. Dear God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that my sin deserves judgment, but I need mercy and I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to be clean. I want your spirit in my life. Jesus, you died to save me. You shed your blood on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe it and I receive it. Come into my heart right now. Take possession and control over my life. I yield myself to you. I trust you as my personal Lord and Savior. Do it right now. And I'm serious about it, Lord Jesus. I'm weak, but I'm serious. I will live for you by your grace and for your glory. And if you will only sustain me and help me, I know you will. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart. Lord, to show I mean business, I'm going to make it public. I will not be ashamed.